0: I specialize in providing insights and solutions for crisis continuity and resilience across industries from real estate and healthcare to terrorism in the airline and transportation worlds, no matter what industry you're in, this podcast will provide you the tools to build resilience in your organization. Welcome back to another episode of the business resilience decoded podcast. I'm super excited. Today's episode is titled Human Resources Strategies for Building a Strong Culture and Acquiring Talent. Marie Mann is an executive partner at Gartner and formerly a chief human resources officer and C-suite advisor. She has over 20 years of executive level HR experience in delivering global HR strategies that engage employees, drive profits, and generate growth. Her specialty and passion is in fostering collaborative teams and environments that strengthen partnerships, and achieve goals and developing programs, policies, and procedures that attract, retain, and develop top talent. After a career defined by transformation, change, and disruption, she now advises and partners with her CHRO clients across a variety of industries to support them in executing their most important priorities. So with all of that being said, Marie, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you. Welcome. I'm delighted to be here. It's wonderful to have this opportunity to chat with you today.
0: <laughs> I'm so excited. I haven't seen you in person in a while, but I was so <laughs> excited that you answered the call and said yes. Um, you know, as, as I was thinking about having you as a guest, there's so many things that are happening uh in the business world from a talent perspective, and I'm excited to dive in. So Um, Top question for you. What are board of directors asking of HR leaders that may be different than what you've seen in the past? Well,
1: you know, one of the positive aspects during the pandemic is that it really raised the visibility of executive HR leaders. Um, As I speak with clients, it's very clear that their boards are expecting more than ever from them. And while in the past, a lot of the HR's board interaction was really around compensation-related issues, there's just so much more of a focus on human capital. You know, boards really accept that their CHROs are truly going to be enterprise-wide leaders with a focus on human capital, and it's really the CHRO's role in some cases to kind of you know, maybe subtly educate the board about what some of those talent implications are. And so one of the advantages of working for an organization like Gartner is we have access to a lot of resources and tools that support our clients. And we have some research that suggests that 52% of the board members we surveyed indicated that workforce issues like hiring, retention and training are big, big priorities. You know, equally, they really want the CHRO to help incorporate um, the metrics and, you know, human capital metrics into decision making. So there is certainly an expectation that CHROs will be more data driven and be able to tell the talent story through the data. Um, Big focus on people, succession, um, what's going on, you know, what are we doing to develop the future leaders of the organization? And what are we doing to keep the culture going as this world is changing around us? So I think that the board expectation is that CHROs will be really on top of this and they expect answers, recommendations, and they want that CHRO to really have a voice at the table.
0: Yeah. Well, one key thing I heard you say is that due to covid uh, this has elevated the role of CHROs from a a, a board perspective. And unfortunately, sometimes it, it takes a pretty disruptive crisis for things to change or for people in key roles to have the visibility that, that's needed. Um, but I'm also kind of glad to hear that because I think we can now prioritize people in a way that may not have been done previously.
1: 100%. It's wonderful. And you're going to hear more of that with this podcast,
0: I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> So you kind of touched on it a a little bit, but what are some of the trends that you're seeing from an HR perspective? Well, you know, there's a
1: lot of trends that we track, but, you know, I thought about in answering that question today, there's four things I want to talk about. Um, And the first is what I would call future of work or flexibility or hybrid work, because people are now working differently. You know, when you think about it um, for decades, that even decades like predating electricity, knowledge workers went to work some day or somewhere during daylight. They got up, they got ready, they got on a plane, a train, a bus, an automobile, they went to an office and there was a big separation between their life and their work. And certainly um, in my work lifetime, I saw this starting to shift when employees were given laptops and they started to take work home with them. And we started talking around the same time about work-life balance, right? And I mean, I can certainly remember um, in the C-suite trying to, you know, sell the idea of, you know, having telecommuting policy so we could allow for some flexibility for people who wanted it or needing it you know, thinking about that more as a recruiting and a retention tool, you know, as an example, and not just exclusively for this group, but like thinking about, you know, 30 years ago, you know, women going back to work, you know, how how can we attract younger moms, you know, who are quitting and give them some flexibility. So that was, you know, one way to try to solve that issue. But if you think about today, the tides have completely shifted, right? The pendulum swung From one side to the other, we worked that way for a long time, and then it came to a complete halt when the pandemic hit. And, you know, we all figured it out. You know, we all, you know, adapted pretty quickly. And we certainly have research to suggest that productivity really went up. But so did other issues like burnout and mental health issues and, you know, that inability to really separate work and life. And so now we're past the pandemic. And organizations are really trying to figure out what does this look like longer term? You know, do we bring people back full time or opposite? Do we lead with complete flexibility or do we do something in between that requires a few days a week? And if so, how many days and what days and for what purpose? And, you know, there's so much in the news right now about bringing people back to work. And there's so much debate and discussion around what the right answer is. And when my clients ask me, you know, what should we do? And of course, we've got research to support things. I tell them, make those decisions based on your values, because that's what's real. That's what should really drive it. There is a new phrase, and I don't know where this phrase came from. It's become so much a part of our vernacular, but presence with purpose. So if you are bringing people back to the Why are you bringing them in? What are you asking them to do in the office? What's the reason you want them together in an office? And so for someone to come to an office and sit behind a desk and sit behind a computer all day and have a conversation with someone in another time zone, can't they do that from home? Like, why do they need to come to the office? And at the same time, employers really have to be sensitized to the fact that different employees have different needs. Like, this is not a one-size answer. And so, um, you know, think about, as an example, a millennial dual working couple with young children. They may not want to spend two hours a day commuting because they want to get to their kids' soccer games in time. That may feel less productive for them. But on the flip side, you might have some of our early career professionals, some of our Gen Z colleagues who really want to go to the office. They want to see people. They want to be with others. So I guess The most important thing here, and I guess this is the last thing I'll say on trend one, is that um, it's really important for an employer to listen to their employees, learn from what they hear, and leverage that learning to create the right kind of workplace that's really going to retain the talent. Because at the end of the day, it's all about talent attraction and retention. The second trend, um, and I think we've all heard the term quiet quitting. Um, And that, you know, towards the end of 22, we heard a lot about, you know, people refusing to go above and beyond in their work and doing the minimum to get by and sort of, you know, kind of checked out, but not resigning. Um, And now we have a trend that's been coined quiet hiring. And, you know, as we enter into uh, recessionary times, budgets are limited and headcount is getting cut. Organizations need to focus essentially on their internal talent mobility and finding ways to have more career conversations with their employees to really understand what it is that they want to learn and grow, and then carving out a way to help them fulfill that through different projects or cross training. Um, The third trend, and this is again, is something that I think we've been talking about forever, and that's the evolving role and expectations of managers and leaders, and so. You know, it takes practice to be good at being a manager and being a leader. And, you know, while while for some people it comes more naturally, these are certainly skills that can be developed. And I feel like, you know, this is a topic we've been talking about, certainly through my whole career. You know, how do we train our managers? You know, we heard always used to hear, you know, people join companies and they leave people. So why, you know, one could argue that the role of a direct supervisor really plays a big role in engaging employees, a good manager, Will keep people even the difficult times, but a not so good manager will lose people even in the best times. You know what does all that mean, and how is it different? I think for the first time in our lives, we're talking about an expectation for managers to play more a more human approach to how they lead other people, and what that means is really being more self revealing and more authentic more vulnerable, more empathetic, and more adaptable. And so we could do a whole podcast on this topic, but I just wanted to <laughs> like that one as a trend. Um, and then the fourth one I would say is around evolving the employee value proposition, right? And that's really about why do people come work for you and why do they stay We've talked about this for years in terms of you know features. what do we give people? We give them salary and benefits and maybe a cool pool table in the lobby or free food. there's it's features, right? And what it, the shift has really become more around how does an employer make someone feel and engage them in a way? that they want to stick around. And so people want to be seen as people not just workers and bring their whole selves to work. So they want to feel that someone cares about them. They want to feel understood. They want to feel like they have some flexibility to work on their own terms and they want to feel invested for a company that really has some purpose. Um, you know and again this could be a whole topic but anyway, long-winded answer to the question but those are the those are the things that I'm seeing a lot over and over again.
0: Yeah, no, I love that. So just a quick recap. So the top trends that you're seeing from an HR perspective, the future of work, quiet hiring. I love that one. Um, The roles and expectations of managers and and leaders, and then evolving the employee value proposition, um, which is powerful. And as you said that, one thing that kicked up in my mind from a marketing perspective is benefits sell, but features tell, right? So to your point, you know, it's really marketing. And it's really about going back to the values like you mentioned, uh, make decisions with your values. That's power. Yes. Um, yes, it is. Be the core focus. And I also loved what you said when you were talking about the future of work uh, presence with purpose. I saw um, a, a TikTok, and it had a young woman uh, sharing a photo of her office. So she was required to be in the office, but no one else was there. And mm-hmm. so she was literally, why am I here? <laughs> and no one. I'm literally in the office by myself. Yeah. Um, yep. with, with purpose is, is powerful. Love what you said about the HR uh, trends. Now, wanna talk a little bit more about some of the HR leaders. What mm-hmm. are some of the strategies that you're seeing that HR leaders are focused on?
1: You know, what I find so interesting is something I've certainly observed through my whole career and my job changes that I've made, which now gets reinforced as I work across a variety of industries. Um, and my clients vary in size, scope, geography. They're very small to very large and everything in between. But when you adjust for size and scope, which kind of impacts the complexity, basically everyone's dealing with the same issues. How do we attract? How do we develop? And how do we keep people? So talent attraction and retention, I, I think it's on it's in everyone's strategy, period, full stop. I mean, we are living in a very, very competitive talent landscape. And even though we're hearing more about layoffs and downsizing, the reality is it's still competitive out there. So strategically, I don't think there's a company that I've observed who's not focused on either their, uh, their brand to attract people into the organization, to build pipeline, and then all of the right strategies to onboard effectively and really engage people early in their tenure you know, every organization has to be on top of what, of knowing what's on the minds of their employees. So, you know, what do they want? What's going to keep them there? And again, and I've said this before, and it's, it really is a theme and something that's really changed in HR. This is not one size fits all. Gone are the days where we could have a handbook and treat everyone the same. It's not that way anymore. And segmenting, different employee personas or stakeholder groups, and really being very specific about how the company markets to these people internally and externally, very, very important. The other strategy is around employee experience. And this, you know, I like to call it the balance of high tech and high touch. And what I mean by that is, You know, the technology is there as an enabler so that you can have more human connection. And so, you know, in the talent acquisition process, as an example, it's really easy and user friendly when people apply for jobs. And it's table stakes. You've got to have technology that works in a recruiting environment. But at the same time, people still want to have that connection to other people. So they want to do it fast and they want to press a button and they want to apply for a job, but they also want to have human connection. And so again, that technology really enables those recruiters to be freed up to spend more time getting to really know these people and you know, air quotes courting them, if you will, um, to figure out, are they the right people? And then somewhere in that evaluation process, the power shifts to the employee, to the prospective candidate. And that That talent acquisition person is really doing more to try to figure out how do I attract them based on what I've learned about them to bring them into my organization. And so, you know, once they're on board, technology is going to play a really important part. Again, high tech, high touch. That technology is the, you know, air quotes, the paperwork that we used to do. Right. So there's more time for humans to connect to one another. And so really Uh yeah, and thinking about how do you use that technology, you know, to make it easier for people to have more human connection. So one enables the others. Um, and I'd say the last thing is on strat from a strategy perspective is corporate culture. And I think this is a really interesting topic. You could do a whole thing on this. People want to have corporate culture, even in the virtual world. And there seems to be a lot of concern about can we still maintain our corporate culture when people are not together all the time? And, you know, if you ask me personally, I I think we can, because I think culture is ultimately about how people treat one another. And if you think about it, a company that, for example, values teamwork and collaboration, they're going to do everything they can in the virtual world to keep that teamwork and collaboration going.
0: Oh yeah, we are nine years going as a 100% virtual company. And for everyone that's here on the Asfalis team, it's primarily because of the values and, and what we believe yep. in. One last burning question for you. So when I think of risk management, everyone is responsible for risk, right? While there's a chief safety officer, at, you know, a head of security, a head of enterprise risk, at the end of the day, every employee has some accountability or responsibility for it. And I kind of think the same way about HR in some aspects. And so question for you is what accountabilities can leaders take to help solve talent issues? You talked a lot about the trends and the strategies and what boards are asking for, right? But I would imagine that HR leaders have to have people within the business that are holding themselves accountable. And so what are your thoughts on that?
1: You know this. It all starts with leadership, right? Because the leaders set the tone for everything, right? They're the ones who that vision and strategy and expectations. And, and these days, especially really leading through ambiguity, right? Nothing stays the same and the world is changing fast and, you know, faster than any of us can comprehend. So they really have to have that accountability for doing some of the things I talked about earlier, having that authenticity, that, that empathetic approach, that vulnerability, that adaptable approach. And, you know, some leaders, find that difficult because they have maybe doubts or fears or they're experiencing you know uncertainty on their own. But we know that it's the leader's responsibility to role model that approach. And they have to constantly focus on their people and address what their people need so the people can work productively and recognize again that not everyone is the same. And a really good leader, if they really want to minimize risk, They're gonna really tune in to where their people are, what's important to those people, making sure they're having the right kinds of conversations with them and taking that accountability to know that if that person
0: stays or leaves, that the leader has a huge accountability in that. So I would love to talk more. Um, I I know time is of the essence, you are a busy woman. How can our subscribers find you on social media?
1: I'm on LinkedIn, uh, Marie Mann it's probably the best way at this point.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Thanks for having me. It was a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you for listening to the Business Resilience Decoded podcast brought to you by Asfalis Advisors and Disaster Recovery Journal. Make sure you check out the show notes for this episode to see all the upcoming events, programs, and ways we can support you make sure you subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast leave us a review and share it with a friend thanks again and I'll talk to you in the next episode